Well, this morning, I'm, I'm going to speak on the topic, clean your cup. Clean your cup. And the reason I want to speak on this message is because I feel like I need this message. And the reason is because over time, I felt that it's just, it's just gotten easier and easier to fall into patterns, convenience, to just keep doing things like you're running a little wheel just because it's, it's easier. But I want to talk on this topic, clean your cup. I'm going to read a scripture. We're going to pray. We're going to talk about this cup. Not this specific cup, but, you know, cups. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. That is never a good way to start a conversation with Jesus. And he says, You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Father, we just thank you that we can be here today, this morning, to encounter you, to hear your word. God, I pray you would open our hearts, God, that you would help us to be receptive to what you have to say, that we would be responsive to you, Holy Spirit, that we would encounter you, and God, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever met a person who forgets their cup? This is the kind of person who goes to the kitchen, prepares a hot beverage of their choice, coffee, tea, water, if that's your thing, and they decide, I am going to put this cup in a random place and just not come back to it. Has anyone met that person? Or are you that person? And, and what happens is they're not just putting it there to cool down. They're not just putting it there because you know, it's an aesthetic place. No, they, they, they've just made all this effort to prepare a drink and have just left it on the side. And what happens is maybe you or that person or a random stranger will come upon the cup a week later. Hey, here's a real, real helpful thing for us at at church, when you go buy a coffee or make a coffee at church, please don't leave your full cup of coffee just sitting somewhere. Sometimes we walk around, you know, it's like, oh, we're here on a staff meeting on a Tuesday, we're praying, and it's like, what is that smell? And you're walking around, and lo and behold, on the bench, you'll see this, this cup, and you think, oh, it's an empty cup. No, 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 it's a full cup. Like someone paid $3 at Glory Bean to buy this drink and, and, and just left it there. And what happens is, is you go back and, and, and you get to this cup. It is not liquid anymore. It's some amalgamation of jelly and algae and organisms that have created a mass that is just sitting in this disgusting, moldy cup of something. Right? And, and have you ever met that person? Is anyone that person? And, and what happens, right, is the cup on the outside looks perfect, clean. In fact, you would not know that there was anything in it, or if there was something in it, you'd assume it would be something that is actually drinkable. And, and, and you see it, and it looks perfect on the outside, but on the inside, 
the contents are, are just wrong. The contents are, are unacceptable. It cannot be taken. It cannot be used. The only, it's only fit to be thrown in the garbage because there's nothing else you can do with that kind of content. And what that does is it makes the cup itself useless. Because what is the point of having a cup if it only holds disgusting liquid, right? Unless you're trying to poison someone, there's no function and purpose of that cup if it's only going to hold that, that moldy thing. And so, so Jesus actually talks about how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law lived their life like this. So in, in Mark chapter 7, verse 3, just for a bit of context, uh, it, it, it actually, the Bible tells us what the Pharisees and what the teachers of the law did. It says, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. Then it says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And so their tradition was that they would make sure their cups were ceremonially clean. And, and the way that they would do this is, is not, you know, the way you would, I'd assume, wash your cup is you would go into your house, you'd go, turn on your tap in your kitchen, or you'd put it in the dishwasher, and it's this private little thing that's happening because you're cleaning your cup, that's important. But, but what they would do in, for, for the Jews and the Pharisees is that they would have washing stations outside. So you could visibly see someone standing outside washing their cup in, in a very open space, right? And, and so the whole point was that they would put in the effort to wash their cup to make it ceremonially clean and so that everybody could see them washing their cups. I used to think this scripture meant when Jesus says, oh, they wash the outside but not the inside. I used to think that it meant Jesus you know, was saying, oh, they wash this part but not this part. But that doesn't make sense, right? Like when you wash your dishes, you're not like, I'll just wash the outside, inside, extra flavor, it's okay. Like, like you, that's not what you're thinking. You're thinking, no, I'm gonna clean the inside because that's, that's really important. So it's not like the Pharisees were sitting at their washing stations thinking, I'm just gonna clean the outside, leave the inside dirty, it's okay, I'm just gonna drink it later. Like, like this is like, no, we're gonna clean the inside. And so Jesus says to them, but you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and indulgence. See, this is, this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying they didn't clean the inside. He's saying inside, it's full. It wasn't about what the, the surface area looked like. The question was, what were they filling their cups with? And so when we look at the Jews and the Pharisees, see, back in the day when, when the, the Pharisees set up all these laws, all these, all these rules, what happened is they set up traditions for their benefit. And so it meant they were unjustly wealthy. It meant that they would cheat people. They would take more than they were meant to. It meant that they would have the best drink, the best food for themselves because they had all this unjust gain. And so Jesus says to them, he says, it's full of greed and self-indulgence. In other words, the question wasn't, why isn't your cup clean? The question is, why, is the, why are the contents of your cup dirty? Why are the contents of your cup dirty? 
So it wasn't that the cup itself was of no value, that the cup itself should not have been clean. Jesus was asking, not, not why isn't the cup clean, but where did you get the contents of that from? What did you have to do to fill your cup with that drink or with that wine? See, the truth is that Jesus is much more interested in our content, our character, what is inside of us than how we appear to other people, than how we present ourselves to other people. Now, it's not that Jesus doesn't want you to present well, right? Because he actually says, if you clean the inside, then the outside will be clean. So, so it's, it's important that the outside is clean, but, but you've got to clean the inside first, it's more important to keep the inside clean. And so God actually cares about our character. He cares about what you do. He cares about how you think, how you behave, your attitude, your heart, whether you are holding on to unforgiveness, whether you're forgiving someone else, whether you're sharing, whether you're encouraging, building up other people, whether you're hospitable. And I know these are words that we like, read the Bible, yeah, this is good, this is good, but... but these are the things that God actually genuinely cares about. And I think that one of the, the issues of, of human nature is that we just like to present well on the outside. Anybody remember physical film with the rolls? No, no one. So back in the day, before you could take a, fo a photo with your phone, you would have to get this this roll of film, put it in a physical camera that was huge at the time, wind it and then click it and then rewind, you know. It was this huge process. That, and, and what it would take is that you would take a photo and you would not see it for two months because every roll of film had like, I think 24 or 36 or whatever. And, and you would take five photos here, five photos there, six weeks later, another five photos, wait for two weeks to develop it. And then you would get your photos in actual physical photo, you know, photographs and you would go, this is the event that happened a month ago, right? Now, the thing about those photos is that you get what you got. You can't change that. You can't go back to that event and take another shot. Oh, why is the face? And what did you do? You know, you can't. You, you get what you got. It was a true, raw reflection of that event that you could not change at the time. It's like when it's done, it's done. Today, you take out your phone and you take like, 15 shots in one second, and you choose which one's the best. And if you don't like any of them, you can Photoshop them together and it, and it looks amazing, right? Like, like nowadays, it's like we can present ourselves in the perfect way that, that everyone goes, oh, that's what your life looks like. See, my kid photos are all pictures of me eating something. <laughs> and it's awkward. It's like, you know? And it, it's like, that, and it's like, you can't go back and change that. And, and that's the photo that it is. And it's either that everyone was taking bad photos, or my, my parents like to take photos of me eating, or I just like eating. Who knows? It, it, but all the photos, it's like, you can't change that. But nowadays, we, we, we present the perfect shot. We Photoshop mistakes. We, we take away the things that don't look good, that aren't aesthetic, and, and we make it look perfect. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't going to look at your Instagram page to see if you've got your life all together. He's not actually going to go through your feed and go, oh, that's what your life looks like. Thank goodness. Oh, I thought there was mess in there. But no, 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 no. It looks good. 
And so, and so, so the way we present ourselves while in human nature feels like it's a really important thing, God actually looks at, looks at it and says, not the outside, but what's inside your cup? What's happening inside your life? And so we need to first clean the inside, Jesus says, and then the outside will also be clean. I'm going to very quickly go through four excuses. We're going to refute four excuses why we don't clean the, out, the inside of the cup, right? Four excuses we use. We're going to refute them. Why we do not clean the inside of the cup. Number one is this. Nobody sees what's inside, so why bother cleaning it? That's the first excuse we use. Nobody sees the inside, so why bother cleaning it? Because you know what? For the Pharisees, not everyone knew what was happening with the dishes. The Romans didn't care. The Romans were not interested in what the Pharisees were doing. They were like, sure, do your thing. You're all Jewish. You just whatever. Only the Jews who knew that Pharisee of that temple specifically was aware that, oh, they were filling their their cups with ill-gotten gain, that they were cheating people, they were over-taxing people. And so, but not everybody knew. And so from a distance, cup looks good. But from up close, that's not good, right? And, and so, but, but, but not, not everyone knew. And so, so the, the excuse we use is there's so much effort to clean what's on the outside when sorry, what's on the inside, when no one is looking on the inside, they're all just looking at the outside. What's the point of, of actually dealing with what's happening on the inside? Why make such a big change when everybody's just looking on the outside? See, nobody actually knows what's going on inside of your heart. Who sees that? No, nobody actually has this, you know, special pair of glasses that goes, oh, not on the outside, but what's actually, you know, and... There's no way for anybody to tell what's happening. Who knows if you're bitter? Who knows if you're angry? Who knows if you're frustrated? Who knows if you're unforgiving? Who knows if you have resentment? Who knows if you hold a grudge against? No one knows. No one knows. It's, it's invisible. And, and so, so we sometimes go, if, if I just keep up appearances, if I go to that guy I really don't like and just say, oh, how are you? It's so good to see you. And then, oh, my goodness. If I just keep up appearances, though, no one knows. You don't know. What if we have a beef? What if it, you know, you don't know. And so, so it's like there's so much effort to dig in when it's like, but nobody sees it anyway. And so we make this excuse and we say, nobody sees what's inside. Why bother dealing with it? Why bother addressing that issue? Nobody knows anyway. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, and God tells us, that when he's looking for a king, he says this. He says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, nobody might see what's going on in the inside, but God sees. Nobody might know what, what's happening in your heart, what's happening in your marriage, what's happening in your family, but God sees. And it's not that God sees in a, oh, I see. No, because God cares. Because it, it, it matters to God. Because God actually wants change to happen from the inside. And so it matters to him. And so God sees what is happening. And I want to encourage you. God is our audience. 
All these people around you, you know what? We love everybody. It's great. It's awesome. But God is your audience. God is the one who matters. God is, God's opinion is the one we need to take seriously. It's not whether that person thinks you're happy and polite. No, God's opinion, when he looks at your heart, that's what is most important. Okay, we're blitzing through. Number two. So number one was that why bother cleaning the inside when everybody only sees the outside? Number two is this. Cleaning the outside is easy, but cleaning the inside and the contents are difficult. So cleaning the outside is easy, but the inside is difficult. So let's go back to the Pharisees for a second. So what the Pharisees were doing, right, is to clean the outside was a simple, daily, repetitive action. Mild inconvenience at best. They would go to a sink, to scrub, I think, I don't know how many times, and use special, you know, tools and all that. And it's like, okay, it's inconvenient, but it was easy. It was simple, right? To clean the contents meant they would have to have really big discussions, go against tradition, change how they live their life, change how they thought about things, make profound changes to the way they, they taught at the temples, change how they distributed wealth, change how they collected all the tithes. Like they would have to change the structure, their hierarchy. They'd have to go through all that trouble to change the content on the inside. Or they could just clean their cups. And so unless you're the person who really hates doing dishes, I know which one's the easiest option, right? It's like, if I just have to dip this in water rather than go and confront this whole mess behind me, I'm just gonna keep dipping this thing in water. And so what they did was they had gotten to a place where instead of going back to what Moses had taught and the original law and, and, and actually putting that into practice, there was all this tradition that weighed everything down. And so instead of challenging the tradition, they went, as long as I clean my cup, everything's going to look good. You know, it's easier to create habits that keep up appearances on the outside than to actually change what's on the inside. And let's, let's be honest, I'll be honest. It's so, I've, I've created habits. I've created ways to navigate difficult situations because instead of dealing with it, instead of confronting it, it's like, it's just much easier if I just smile and nod, you know, be polite, pretend something's okay, show face. And, and it's like, we can actually present ourselves well and not be okay on the inside. I'm gonna read a scripture and it's a very, very scary scripture. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. You know what scares me about this? Is that you can honor God with what you're saying. Is that you can say things that make it seem like you're close to God. You can even worship God based on human tradition. In other words, things that you've just been taught, things that you used to do, and your heart can be far from Him. See, I used to think, oh no, if your heart's far from God, you wouldn't come to church. You would, no, this is like, you can be sitting right here in service with your hands up saying the right things and singing the right songs. You can be standing up here on stage preaching a message about dirty cups and still have your heart far from God. 
that terrifies me. It terrifies me because, because it, it means that it's not just, it's not just, you know, it's not even the godly things that's enough. That's not, that's not what God's looking for. It's not, have you put the practices there? He's saying, no, but your heart is far from me. Your actual heart is far from me. And, and you know, I love all of you, but, but I wonder if sometimes we come to church and we go, we put on the show. Like we, we say the right things. We meet someone new. We meet our friends. We say, oh, good morning. It's so good to see you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to laugh with you. I'm going to be friendly to you. And then you get home and, and it's like Jekyll and Hyde. And it's like, why are you like this? How can you, you know, I can't stand it. And, and it's like, how did we go from we're at church and we're putting this show on to home and suddenly it's like, I'm so upset, I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated. I'll be honest. How come sometimes we can't even last the walk to the car park? <laughs> right? Like in the service, in the foyer, it's like, oh, it's so good. Oh, God bless you. God loves you. You get to the car, it's like, why did you do that thing? Why did you say that? I can't. And, and it's like, what is going on? <laughs> How is it that we, we have this, this practice? It looks good, but there's... There's not a change in the heart. See, God is not looking for actors. We're not good looking enough to be actors, most of us. But the thing is that God actually wants us to change what is on the inside. He actually wants us to deal with this stuff. One more scripture, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. And it says, this is God, this is the best news ever. It says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove them from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. The best news is that to change our hearts, it's not your effort. It's not you trying to go, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change. No, it's, it's I'm gonna allow God to come, right? It says he's gonna put a new spirit in you. In other words, working with the Holy Spirit to change your heart. You actually need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Things need to change, but it's not effort. The only effort you're putting in is going, God, I need your help. That's the effort, is allowing God to do the transformation in your life. Okay, number three. So excuse number three is cleaning the outside creates a good first impression. Cleaning the outside creates a good first impression. So remember what I was saying is that the Pharisees would clean their cups on the side of the street and this would make a great first impression. People would look and go, oh, your cups are very clean. Hmm, good job. And, and so from a distance, people would go, you're doing a really good job. It's a really good first impression. And there was an implication in the cleaning for the Pharisees, right? It's that if they had a clean cup, they were doing what God wanted them to do which meant that they were holy, which meant that they were right with God, which meant that they had a status, which meant that they should be respected, which meant that they were important. And so all of this, because if you saw them cleaning a cup, suddenly you would have this implication that they were worthy of respect and that they were important because it was a really good first impression. But you know that those who are close... See, see, the Pharisees made a good first impression, but they made a bad lasting impression. And so, so those who were close, those who knew them, those who spent time with them were like, okay, we see the clean cup, but 
but that's, you know, that's my money, <laughs> right? It's like you're filling this with stuff that you shouldn't have taken from me, that you overcharged me, that you cheated me from. And so they left a bad, lasting impression. They were, remember, you know what Jesus was saying, they were greedy and that they were self-indulgent. In other words, they were spending all of this stuff on themselves that they weren't meant to. And so up close, people knew that something was wrong. But the first impression was really good. And so sometimes we just want to make a good impression. Is that, you know, in our lives, it's like people just need to see us on the surface and go, wow, you look good, and then move on, right? We don't necessarily need to have those deeper, longer relationships or conversations that reveal stuff on the inside. No, 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 just, just look. It looks good, all right? If I, as long as I stand this far away, it looks good, and then you don't have to look at it anymore, right? We, we just want to make a really good first impression. Now, don't get me wrong, because a good first impression is not a bad thing, right? That's why Jesus says if you clean the inside, the outside's going to be clean. So you, if you clean this inside, your first impression is going to be good. That's, that's, that's all Jesus, right? But if we're only focusing on the outside to make the good first impression and not bothering with the inside, something is not right. Think about it like this. God is never caught up with a first impression. God is never caught up with a first impression. See, God chose Gideon. He was the smallest and weakest person of the smallest and weakest tribe of Israel. And with only 300 people defeated an army of 150,000 soldiers. God chose David, who was the youngest and the smallest of his family, to defeat a giant and become king. God chose Jacob. He was the younger twin. He was called a deceiver. He was the introvert of the family, and he started the nation of Israel. Jesus chose fishermen and tax collectors to build the church as we know it today. God is not impressed with a first impression. God doesn't look for the first impression. And thank God he isn't impressed with the first impression because I would not have made a good first impression, right? Thank goodness that when God looks at us, he's not going, there's your weakness, I can't use you. There's your sin, I can't use, use you. You're an enemy of God still? Nope, excluded. See, God did not care about the first impression. What God does care about is whether you're gonna make a lasting impression. And so God uses the small things, the undervalued things, the things that people overlook so that he can be glorified in them. And so sometimes we're like, no, but we got to look good. we got to look good. And again, like I'm saying, you clean the inside, the outside will be good. But he's like, don't get so obsessed with the outside. You clean the inside, the outside's going to look good. See, first impressions, they're, they're really important to us, but they're, they're just not that important to God. He's not caught up in how people perceive you. See, the word impression, right? Think about this. God cannot be impressed by you. I have a son. He's nine months old. I'm not really impressed by him. <laughs> he will clap his hands. He will, you know, and I'm not impressed. I will celebrate and be excited and be happy and overjoyed for him clapping his hands. But it's not really that impressive. He's, you know... If he were to be able to, you know, write an entire novel at sure, that would be pretty impressive. At the moment, we give him a pen, he's going to eat it. So th there's nothing impressive about my son, but I love him and I care about him and he matters to me. 
but it's not impressive. And I think sometimes we go, God, I want to impress you. And he's like, but I gave you that gift. I gave you that talent. I created the universe. That's not impressive to God. He loves you and he cares about you and you matter to him, but he doesn't need you to come and try and be this whole put together package to impress him. He actually just wants you to come to him and go, hey, get this, right? He doesn't want you to impress him. He wants you to be impressed upon by him. He wants to take his image and impress that onto you so that you become more like him, right? So God comes nearer to you so that you will change and become more like him. That is what he's looking for. Okay, our final one, number four. The last reason that we choose to clean the outside of the cup and not the inside is because we don't think that the inside is all that dirty. We don't think that we need to change. You see, we think everything's okay. We don't want to admit anything is wrong or that we've done the wrong thing or that we've made a mistake. You know, if you ask a couple who's right most of the time, they both put up their hands. Because we all like to think we're right most of the time, right? No one likes to admit they're wrong. No one likes to go, oh, it was my mistake. I, you know, no, everyone's like, Who, who's most? And we all like to think that we're right all of the time. And in Jeremiah chapter five, verse three, it says, they made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. Imagine that. You can make your face harder than stone, right? It's, it's like they refused to repent. You see, to repent is to turn away from sin and to turn towards God. That's the, the definition. And they went, I refuse because repentance is a choice. And sometimes the reason we don't bother cleaning the inside is because we don't want to admit we're wrong. We don't want to actually repent and change on the inside because we think, no, I can justify that. No, it's because I was hurt. It's because that's the way my parents treated me. That's what someone did to me. And so I am not going to change. And we, we can be so stone-faced that we refuse to repent. And I'm going to read a scripture which, you know, just give me some time to, to explain this. I'll get the worship team to come up. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, this is Jesus speaking, and, and well, it's, not, it's about Jesus, and, and it's, it's quite a confronting scripture, right? Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, it says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. He began to denounce the towns. And so when you read them, he actually says, woe to you, woe to you. And, and what denouncing means is that he was, he, he's gone from a place of, of I'm going to go here and minister to them to now I'm like, he's frustrated. He's mourning that they are not changing, that they are not repenting. Their lives have not been transformed. They did not admit that they were wrong. See, this is crazy, right? As a church, we believe in miracles. Yeah? We, we saw some today, like, you know what I mean? 
and we love miracles and we will always go for miracles. Miracles are, are of God. They have not ceased. They're gonna continue and it's amazing to see. I mean, miracles change people's lives and circumstances and situations. But the one thing that the miracles cannot do is it cannot force you to repent. A miracle cannot go, okay, now that you've seen God's power at work in your life, on your life, in those around you, now I'm gonna force you to follow God and let go of your sin. It can't. It can't, but, but Jesus is saying, hey, I'm gonna do all these miracles. I'm gonna show you the, reveal God's power, God's goodness, God's love, God's compassion. I'm gonna do all these things for your life, but what are you gonna do about it? Now that you've seen God's power, what are you going to do about it? And my, my, my fear for my own life is that I, I'm gonna look at these things and go, these are so good. Let's just see more and more and more and it's good. God wants to do more. But if all I'm doing is chasing the next miracle and not changing my life, I have missed the point. Because Jesus performed the miracle so that they would repent, so they could see God's mighty hand at work and then people would go, okay, I will now follow Him. But what Jesus is saying is that, man, I did all these miracles. I showed them, I revealed it to them. I, I turned water into wine. I healed that sick person. I raised that person from the dead. You know, I, I, I touched that, that leper and he was clean. And, and he's doing all these things. And he says, but woe to you because you didn't repent. You saw it, but you didn't change. You saw it, but you didn't see the need to change what was on the inside, to turn away from the sin, to clean the contents of the cup. And you were, you were happy to just keep saying, praise God, look at that miracle. Yeah, that's really good, but we refuse to clean the inside. And you know what? Praise God for the miracle, absolutely. But is that gonna, are you, are you gonna change on the inside though? Are we gonna take that and go, yeah, I think I need to change. I think I need to apply what the Bible says. I think I need the Holy Spirit to transform something on the inside of me. So you might've witnessed the miracles of God in your life and I pray you have and I pray you do. But maybe you haven't yet cleaned up the contents, the inside. Maybe there's stuff on the inside of your heart that still needs to be cleaned up. We can keep polishing this cup. We can keep, keep up appearances. We can make sure everyone thinks we're doing well and you're happy and you know, you're close to God. You might, you might wanna look like that. But it's so easy to just clean the outside and still be dirty on the inside. We'll get everyone to stand. You know, we actually need to sometimes admit that we're wrong. <laughs> We've done wrong, we've hurt others, we've been greedy, self-indulgent. We've held unforgiveness, we've made false accusations, we have bitterness and, and we actually sometimes just have to admit, hey, you know, Jesus, in, in light of who you are, in light of all the things you've done, in light of all the things I've seen, yeah, maybe I've got to change my life. Maybe I've got to change what's happening in on the inside. Just one more scripture and we'll close. Proverbs chapter 21, verse four. It says, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. 
You know the word haughty eyes, it just means arrogant eyes. It means I'm gonna see things with superiority, like I'm better than them. And it says those kinds of eyes, that kind of perception, that kind of perspective and a proud heart. And it says the unplowed field of the wicked because these things will just keep growing, right? It's unplowed, it's like a weed. It just pops up again and again and again and again. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with, with the superiority eyes, with the haughty eyes, with a proud heart, it says it produces sin. It produces sin. And, and I know for my life, it's like when I've got a proud heart, when I think I'm right, when I think I don't have to, to repent, sin is right there. Right, sin is right there because it's like, no, I'm always right. I haven't made a mistake. It's your fault. It's not my fault. And you know what? Sin's right there because I'm gonna treat people worse. I'm gonna say the wrong thing. I'm gonna hurt others. I'm gonna be self-indulgent. I'm gonna be greedy. I'm gonna do things that God doesn't want me to do. Why? Because there's this arrogance. There's this pride that is rising up on the inside. But the good news is that repentance is a choice. Repentance is a choice. It's not some complicated, no, no, it's just, hey, God, I'm gonna turn away from that sin. I'm gonna turn away from my pride. I'm not gonna let my pride consume me and produce sin anymore. I'm gonna turn away from that. And God, I'm gonna turn towards you. I'm gonna choose humility. I'm gonna admit that I'm wrong. I'm gonna apologize. And when we do that, we clean the inside of the cup. And when you have a clean inside, Jesus says it like this. He says, first clean the inside and then the outside will be clean. Guess who doesn't have to fake it anymore? You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on masks. You don't have to say polite things just to be polite because you've cleaned the inside. So you really are polite. You don't have to say, oh, you're doing so well and I'm so happy for you because you're not faking. You really are happy for them because you've cleaned up on the inside. The outside was gonna look amazing, but first clean the inside. So I wanna encourage you this morning. It's really just a hard thing. It's, it's, it's you know, and I wish it was like a, like I said, your special glasses, you could, you know, you can't. It, it's a hard thing. It's a choice. No one else sees it. It's just you. But it's like, I, I just want to encourage you and challenge you. Hey, I think we all need to clean up a bit on the inside. I need to clean up on the inside. Like, you know, it's not, it's not a pointing finger thing. It's like, I think humanity, people, we need to clean up on the inside. And then the outside's also going to be clean. And maybe this is your very first time at our church. Or maybe... You've been to church for years and years and years and years. You know, the best news I have for you is that Jesus really wants to help you clean up on the inside. And you might not have known Jesus or you've known Him and you've walked away since then, but Jesus can actually help you clean up on the inside. It's just like I said, that, that repentance, that change of heart, to change direction, say, I'm gonna choose to turn away from sin and choose to turn towards God.